Hi, I'm Gareth Davis, and you're listening to the MMA World Podcast. Joining me today, the coach of Anthony Pettis defends his title against Rafael Dos Anjos in the United States this weekend. It's the one and only Duke Rufus. How are you, Duke? Hi, I'm doing great. Uh, just uh, It's Sunday here in the States, and I'm running some errands with my family, and uh, we're getting ready to head off Tuesday to Texas for uh, the Big Bang. It's going to be awesome. Welcome to the show. we got both of the Pettis brothers on there, and uh, we're excited for big performances. Yeah, I'm going to ask you about Sergio Pettis afterwards. Obviously, he's up against Ryan Benoit um, uh, down there. I think it's probably on the fight pass prelims. But um, the uh, for me, this is a very, very interesting style matchup for um, Showtime this time out. Um, Rafael Dos Anjos, for me, is a fascinating study as a mixed martial artist, Duke, mainly because he seems to have this ability, and I'm not saying he's going to mimic... Anthony's style, but to be able to go and fight people at their own game. Yeah, they did a great job against Benson Anderson. I have a lot of respect and admiration for Rafael uh, as well. I'm, a, I'm friends and a lot of admiration for his coach, Rafael uh, Cordero. So and we, we got a work cut out for us, but I got to tell you, um, the type of style that Dos Anjos brings is it actually plays into Anthony Pettis's game the best. We really haven't seen guys, well, we have seen guys, guys who really want to strike with him, like Peroni. Um, he, he loves that. that. That's his favorite fight. And I, I think that Rafael is going to bring it. This thing is going to be uh, an incredible fight, but I know that my man's going to be standing with his hand raised at the end. I thought you you mentioned Donald Cerrone there as well, and, and Rafael Dos Anjos in that fight as well fought Cerrone very much at his own game, body kicks, all sorts of um, tough kickboxing and Muay Thai in that fight. And that was the one fight for me where I suddenly realized that Dos Anjos had moved up a level, Duke. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think, again, uh, you know, but here's, here's the thing in the UFC... Um, you know, I think Dos Anjos is awesome. It's going to be a challenging fight, but I just think that Anthony's better at it than him, and he's been doing that his whole life. I mean, that's the neat thing about Anthony. Uh, the one thing that Anthony has been doing different is uh, right now he, he's training with world-class boxers. Uh, we, we had uh, Luis Cuba Arias, who came and helped him out. He's originally from Milwaukee, who's 8-0 as a super middleweight. We have um, Luis Feliciano, who just is a five-time national champion, who is an Olympic hopeful for uh, the U.S. boxing team. These are the, the guys that Anthony's regularly boxing right now. So um, that being said, uh, is I think that Anthony, besides Muay Thai, kickboxing, martial arts, he's uh, becoming quite the proper boxer right now, too. What did you, um, you know, obviously with, with, we haven't seen Anthony fight that much recently, obviously because he had the tough series, then the fight with Gil Melendez, then, you know, we, it, it's been, it's been almost, it feels like quite an inactive year. Do you, do you go along with that? Oh, for sure. But um, right now, he, he, he was joking to me. He goes, the way he's been doing his training camps, his preparation, but these last two fights, he's like, I could do this four times a year. As long as he's healthy, this is so easy to him. He loves it. Do you do you think that Anthony is going to grow into the kind of standing that we saw 
um, in the long runs that the likes of, uh, well, certainly now we've got John Jones and uh, Jose Aldo, but, you know, George St. Pierre had a very long run as champion. Is Anthony one of those guys who is going to be very difficult for anyone to unlock because he is so versatile? Yes, for sure. I mean, that's the plan. His, his plan right now is to be uh, the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And, uh, you know, a lot of people that win a championship, that win a big win like he did against Gilbert, and they let up. And he, he's like a short holiday with, with uh, his girlfriend, and he was back training right away. He's very hungry, very determined, and uh, he's so old, has such an open palate to learn more things. That's what makes him GSP type. He's always getting better at something. There's no um, ceiling for his growth as a martial artist, uh, the work he's doing, strength and conditioning, even his own personal growth as a, as a man. I'm so proud of him. He, he's doing so many unique things, and he's constantly um, evolving himself as a human being, which makes him an incredible athlete. And one of the things that always surprises me, and you know this because you're around him as well, he is an enormous lightweight as well. Um, he's he's just people don't realise unless you've actually met Anthony face to face. I don't mean fighting wise, just met him. He's extraordinarily large for a lightweight as well. People don't realise that. Oh, for sure. I, I mean, uh, my buddy Tyron Woodley. Uh, Tyron Woodley just told me he was he was extraordinarily surprised how strong Anthony is. I mean, a lot of people look at the Anthony that came in the WC, but the one thing that he does is he, he uh, trains at one of the best facilities in the United States for training NFL, NBA, um, some of the best athletes in the world. Anthony's training side-by-side with now here at next level uh, in, in our city, and uh, that's, I think, a, a key component of Anthony's success, and he's very diligent at uh, staying on his program all the time. Very disciplined in that. He, he right now, um, he only has 14 pounds to cut, probably a little less than that, and it's so easy for him to make the weight. Let, let's talk a little bit about about weight cutting because it, it, I think it's a really big issue, Duke. Um, you know, what what what's your take? Do you think that? A lot of the fighters, I mean, as you say, you've got Anthony a week out, he's got 14 pounds to cut. Do you think, so obviously that's, we're saying about 9% of his body weight he's got to cut, okay. Um, do you think that should be the upper level for most fighters and that some of them are cutting far too much weight? It's certainly the view I hold anyway. Oh yeah, I think so. I mean, um, I, you know, the, the, the smaller the athlete, the less weight they should cut. You know, the, the, the other reason, we, we strategically load him with as much water right now as possible, so it's easy to bring that water weight down. But actually, I mean, by Tuesday, he'll show up and he'll be with 10 pounds of his... I mean, he's the guy who doesn't even go to the sauna. Um, most of his fights, we, we don't have to touch a sauna. He's very diligent. All he does is change his diet on the end, and uh, he does it right. He's... Um, you know, that's why we've made the move with Alan Belcher up to 205. There's just two Jackson and his body to go to 185. Do, do, you, do you think that this, this notion that a lot of um, guys are um, kind of cutting um, weight in, in kind of um, draining themselves is... Uh, kind of pushing. I know. I know. There's a lot of methods that have come from weightlifting and have come from um, things like um, bodybuilding. 
Um, but do you is that do you feel that there there are too many guys making big risks when they're doing this? Oh, for sure. I mean, um, the one thing too, the the, the, the final liquid comes from um, your brain, and uh, you know, if you dehydrate your brain and you can't recover in that short amount of time, um, you're going to get hurt. And I'm very cognizant of that. Uh, one of my training partners uh, was the great Nigel Blunt, uh, uh, excuse me, the great Gerald McCollum, and I think he had a hard weight cut when he fought Nigel Ben back in the day yeah, in 1995. Yeah. And I think that really uh, affected his uh, outcome. And I'm not, I'm not an expert, but it's just, you know, I've, I've always been really cognizant of that. I think weight, it's, it is tough, you know. Um, I, I'm lucky I have a good group of guys who are for a year of discipline. I think that's the other thing, too. you, you got to stop these yo-yo up and down uh, weight cuts. You can't gain 40 pounds. You're a professional athlete. I just don't, you know, Anthony, he stays at a certain weight when he's healthy, and there's not a big shift in his weight. That's why I was able to take the fight on four weeks' notice against Sam Henderson. You know, I, I just uh, I just try and articulate to the guy, if you're a professional athlete, you have a short window of opportunity. The biggest asset that you own is your body. Take care of it and, and take care of it very wisely because, uh, you know, one bad weight cut could really set back your career or your health. Do you, do you think that there's a... Um, that, that um, certainly my view, that, that this could be as serious as... Um, you know any of the other if you don't if you don't look to move the mass of your weight through training camp if you if you make large weight cuts or um if you don't live kind of healthily between fights and you and your weight doesn't balloon at all um you're going to be a much ba better fighter as a result and at the end of the day the sacrifice is only for six to nine years let's say uh for most fighters at that level yeah, I think it's important. I mean, you know, look at a guy like Bernard Hopkins. He was very diligent in his boxing career, and he was able to box many years. Look at a guy like Ricky Hatton, incredible yeah. fighter, but he, he made a mockery of, um, you know, going up and down the weight, you know. That, to me, it's just, you know, two opponents. You're going to fight a world-class guy who uh, has the skills to beat you. Why are you going to put yourself at a disadvantage already by uh, not being fit all the time? Um, as a kind of a statement to my guys, I recently, um, I'm 10 pounds away from my prime fight weight when I was younger. I've really embraced health. Mine for another reason is because, uh, I got a young two year old I want to be healthy and happy for. But, uh, I'm really reiterating to my guys that the healthy lifestyle, so I'm trying to lead the best I can through, uh, my example. You know, not that I'm, you know, the stellar prime example, but, you know, I just, <laughs> Uh, I think that uh, I think that's something that uh, a lot of my fighters do quite well. They they're really on a on their nutritional schedule that's important. Um, is is there anything in your view that can be done to make people make weight? Um, easier. Do you think they should they should restrict the amount of weight people weigh in at say a week out from fights in, in MMA or in the mm -hmm. UFC? Um, I put something out yesterday. I mean, just after the Tyron Woodley fight, you know, I, I just, so many guys feel it's okay to show up. They'll give up a little bit first money. I suggested, hey, let's have them lose the first round if they don't make weight, you know? 
Um, something crazy like that. I don't know. My solution isn't the best, I think. But I think that, you know, these, we see this trend. Someone's not doing well. They can't win at one weight class. They're like, you know what? Let's move down a weight class. Yeah. Well, what major? I only know one guy who's moved down in a major sport in weight one. That was Max Aspen in wrestling. Other than that, all boxers, they all move up a weight class, not down. So um, that's, that's, that's kind of a, an interesting thing I've seen. I'm, I'm doing bad at this division. I'm going to lose more weight. Well, the thing is, the older you get, the weight, cut, the weight cuts are harder. Yep. So naturally, you should be going up in weight as you get older, not down. I just think it's really, uh, you know, you see these guys that weigh in, you're like, wow, you're going to fight tomorrow? <laughs> you know, uh, you know, it's, um, I mean, it's each their own. Everyone has their own thing. Uh, I'm not I'm not the judge of everyone. I, I like the way a lot of my boys do it. We don't, um, you know, we do it through lifestyle and nutrition. I mean, my whole thing is you want your athlete that you're working with to be the king of the jungle. Well, the, you don't become the king of the jungle by starving yourself, you know, weakening yourself. You have to, you know, the, you're not there to win at the scale. You're there to beat your opponent. So just tell me, looking ahead now, because um, I want to move on to to, to Sergio at the weekend. Um, uh, does Anthony finish this guy, or are we looking at a five-round war? How do you, you know, you always have this little, you say to me before, you know, don't be surprised if uh, if, if Showtime uh, defeats Benson Henderson on the ground. He, he, he wins by submission. It, you know... Are you expecting this fight? Because obviously Dos Anjos is very proficient on the ground. Um, I expect Anthony to be better than him in, in all areas in the stand-up, but for him to try and push Anthony. Um, are, are you looking for something spectacular from Anthony in this fight, and do you think it'll go the distance? Um, I don't think the fight's going to go the distance. We're ready to. Um, he finished with a strong five-round performance yesterday in training camp, but I had to tell you, um, just the way, way the, the way the, the man fights, he he just don't like to get paid. He, he doesn't think he get paid for overtime in the fighting. He wants <laughs> it to be as soon as possible. You know, he just, he uh, and it's just his, it's his character and nature. He's a closer. He just uh, he, he really believes in real fighting. You know, if you're not finishing, man, um, you know, he just really wants to finish his opponents constantly. That's what's fun about him. He just, uh, you know, how to turn it up that extra notch. You know, it's, uh, you know, and I think he can submit those hanjos because Anthony has a special style of jiu-jitsu that's all his own. He's very good at fighting with jiu-jitsu. You know, he's hitting you and something happens. For most people, they, 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 they go into jiu-jitsu gear. He doesn't have gears like that. He's fighting from every position. He's either hitting you or submitting you. And uh, that's what makes him interesting. Um, we, we've become accustomed to this now. Pettis 1 and Pettis 2 fight on most cards together. Uh, Sergio's in against Ryan Benoit. We know we're watching a young man developing in front of our, our, of our eyes. Obviously, they're not putting him in, in, front, uh, in with the elite competition in his division quite yet, although they're all elite, elite at that level, really, uh, or they're on their way to elite. Um, what about this challenge for Sergio against Ryan Benoit? I, I like um, I like the kid's style that he's fighting. He's a good fighter, wrestler, good at jiu-jitsu. Um, hopefully he's going to try and strike for Sergio. Again, Sergio, he's been working with um, a lot of boxers. He's 
main sparring partner is from Puerto Rico. There's a top uh, boxer from Puerto Rico is relocated to our camp. So we've really been taking advantage of the pugilists we got in our camp and you're going to see stronger punches from Sergio. And uh, I think uh, for him, he had to make the mindset to return back to 125. And uh, he's really embraced uh, moving down the flyway. And I expect a dynamic performance from him. I just see Sergio better in every area. Than, uh, Benoit. Benoit's a great great fighter, but you know, like I always say the better boys are special fighters. Do you think we're going to see both brothers as concurrent champions at some points, where they'll both hold a belt at the same time? Absolutely. They're going to be uh, the, just like my brother and I, uh, for sure. I, I see it. Um, they both have the drive, the conviction, the attitude. The uh, And you know what the other thing, which is the, 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 the best thing about the whole situation, our training camps are on a chore. We, we, we have fun. It's so fun. It is a memorable experience for us. And that's why they want to fight so often because it's not working them. They, they sit down martial arts and they're little boys. And, and to, to them, it's just uh, re, re, recreating or redoing a different version of the martial arts they did their whole life. And we have a thing in camp and in, in, the, in our academy having fun getting it done. I mean, you know, every kid that started playing football, they started playing basketball, they started playing some sport because they loved it. And I think a lot of fighters, they get away from why they started, why they why they love the sport. And um, for me, that's a huge part of what I do. I love what I do. I have fun. Actually, uh, one of my favorite articles that came out recently, Tyron Woodley said uh, his last fight when he trained with us was the first camp and fight he had on him. I'm like, man, this is the wrong sport to do if you're not having fun. Well, the funny thing is, because you, you know you all fight sports yourself, you're very averse in all of them, that, you know, there's amateur boxing and then there's professional boxing. And professional boxing is not a sport, as we say in the game, it's a business. Do you think that mixed martial arts is more of a business than a sport these days? And perhaps there is a little bit too much obsession with how much people earn, how much should they be earning, why should they be earning, and that, from what you're saying just then, that, you know, there's less of the martial arts philosophy in these things and more of the how successful can I be, how quickly can I be successful, how much money can I earn, and why am I being controlled by the promoter, is there a union? Do you think there's... Do you think it's all... Do you think sometimes the sport of mixed martial arts needs to look at itself a little bit a bit because things have accelerated so quickly it's still an infant sport in many ways oh for sure i mean i i know personally like ant i mean he um he he figured out something that works so well for me and i wish i could get more guys to duplicate him because he knows that all the other things come to fruition you know so by uh, being the best, working hard, having fun, all those great sponsors he had came. I think a lot of people, they, they, they had, well, here in the United States, I'm not sure how it is in um, the Premier League, but people have the big contracts and our sports, and people get misconstrued. I'm the UFC, therefore I made it. I, I try and tell all my fighters, well, if you don't have the idea to be a champion in the top 10, you shouldn't fight. You're, 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 you're having an okay job. 
you know, the 15, 20 guys in the world and every sport are the best. And tennis, all, you name it. And I think a lot of times they expect sponsors. You know, it's, uh, sponsors are a luxury. Uh, if you want to make money, win. If you want to make more money, get bonuses. You know, if you want to make a lot of money, be the champion. You know, to me, I started competing because I want to be a champion first, and all the other things will fall into place. So that's what I enjoy about the Pettis brothers and all the guys I'm working with. They're not, they're not changed by how much money they're making. They're, they're, uh, it's how well they're going to win, what they're going to do. Anthony only thinks about legacy. You know, what, what, what's he going to leave? The mark he's going to leave on this. But all the other things place, in my humble opinion. And the other thing, too, I mean, you either love it or you don't. I mean, I just the kick somewhere we made a team. Complain about it because I loved it. You know, and uh, it's just, I posted a picture on Instagram. Do come, just, ju- do come, just, I'm just losing you a little bit where you are in terms of being on your phone. Um, I've, I just okay. lost you the last 20, 30 seconds, and you were saying about how the the guys aren't in it for the for the money. I don't know if you're on the move, but the um, but I must say you've got a you, you've got a great uh, you've got a great talker in the family there with you as well. Yes, I got my little one next to me. Sorry. <laughs> uh, She's a great. It's a, a girl. Yeah. She's a talk. She is natu- She's naturally a talker, though I see, or I hear. She's like her dad. <laughs> yeah. But but just to recap, in case people didn't hear all of that, that you know, you're in this because you love it. You're not in it because you want to um, build a property empire or make a business out of it. it. It's 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 developed into a business holistically, and you want that to be the same for the Pettis boys as well. And that's perhaps. Perhaps why yeah. you you the, the the three of you have that unity. I think so. I mean, um, all the other things come to fruition. If you're successful, all the gifts will come to you. You know, I mean, in sports, you have to do them to be the best, and and that's their focus. The cool thing, though, I mean, even uh, I posted a picture on Instagram on Thursday of Eric Coke and and Anthony Pettis in the WEC, and uh, it was a great time for us because. You know, Anthony Pettis started fighting for two and two in the WEC, and that kid had so much fun. He never complained about how much money he made, or, or it wasn't about the money. He's like, wow, I'm at the WEC. I just met Chuck Liddell. He said, I fought well. You know, those things that when you're a young fighter, and I, I think when you when you lose when you lose track of that fun and and that passion, it's easy to turn it into a business, and you don't want to train. Um, obviously, there is a financial side. That's not de- definitely. It's it's great reward, but that's not the reward. Being a champion is a reward, in my humble opinion. Because you know what, you can make money doing other things in life, but you can't be the UFC champion. They can never take that away from you. And that's something that uh, when you talk about legacy and and and, and accomplishments, that, that that's priceless. When you just to recap just now, when the reception was was going a little bit, um, you were saying, were you actually saying that if you look at the division you're in and you can't be in the top ten in the world and get to challenge for the belt, what's the point in fighting? Were you actually saying that? No, but you're, that should that that should be your conviction always. You know, what I mean, you can't expect. Hey, I, I, I'm in the UFC now. Expect all these great things to happen. It's, it's it's a constant endeavor. You got to have a 
I mean, not everyone can be, but you got to believe you can be. You got to you got to have the drive to. That's how a certain like even a guy like uh, Gleason Tebow, he's a great fighter. He's not in the championship contention, but he's got a great job at the UFC. Because man, the guy puts on a show. He shows up and fights. He didn't win his last fight, but man, he's a soldier. But you know, deep down, you know, he has a drive to want to be the best. Well, that My co- thing is, you yeah, can't, yeah, you can't let off the gas. You just can't say I'm in the UFC now. Let everything happen. It doesn't work that way. Make it happen. I tell you what, the guy Gleison Tebow did fight in the last fight, Tony Ferguson. For me, I know he's now crept into the top fifteen in the lightweight division, um, but I must say, Duke, that I have been saying for a long time. People need to keep an eye on this guy, Ferguson. Uh, I mean, you know you're striking. He's got a lot of abilities. He's not just a fan pleaser. He's a dangerous big middle, uh, big lightweight rather. No, no, I, I like him. I, I think he's a. I think he's a guy that uh, if he keeps up his work, that's someone that's the anti immigrant cross paths. It's going to be a great fight for the fans. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, he's a grassroots technical and. Uh, he, he has the X factor too. Is it? He had, and that X factor. He in that X factor as well. I know he. I know you'll look at it technically, and I know Ferguson leaves himself open sometimes, and that he is hittable, and that he is very wide in his stance. And but he's got something. If you, I know you must look at him and think, oh, I could tighten him up a little bit there. I could do that with him. I could help him there. He's got. I mean, I mean as someone that's watched a lot of striking fights for a long time. I certainly think, I, I said, I've picked this guy as a bit of a dark horse in the division that he could suddenly be a couple of top contenders and you might be in, you know, and as you say, Anthony might be in there facing him. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, he's got the mentality, too. I mean, he's, um, he, he, if a, if a Melendez fight, he was on the same card and he said at the press conference, hey, enjoy holding my belt, Anthony. You know, <laughs> and I don't take that personally. That, 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 that's just a that's what these guys are. It's the business, you know. Like I said, I, I don't get mad at them. It's like, yeah, man, if you don't believe you can be the champion, then why you fight? So I like that. Um, a final thing about next weekend's card in Dallas was I wanted to ask you, um, Carla Esparza, obviously um, the co-main event, Carla Esparza against Joanna Jedrzejczyk, um, the, the the Polish girl. Um, do, you, do, you, do you know anything about the two girls? Uh, and uh, can you yeah. give us your breakdown on the fight? I mean, I am very excited that we could end up, I know you'll know Baz Rutan, we could end up with the second European ever to win a UFC title if Joanna, the Polish girl, does it against Carla Esparza on Saturday night? That ain't happening. <laughs> uh, no, I know, I know Carla well. I was on the show with Anthony only for 10 days, but um, I, I assisted Anthony in picking the teams, and she was my hands-down number one pick. And, I'm gonna, and, I, did, and I helped Anthony picking not just some record, but I did it by um, training with her, and we did a psychological and mental breakdown of her. She is um, she's a winner. She knows how to win, and she gets in there and gets the job done. And as well, um, one thing she possesses uh, for the women's game is an incredible wrestling game that a lot of women just can handle. Do you, do you think that... We're going to see Carla emerging as a special talent in this division then. that um, I, I know what you mean. I mean, we saw 
you know, when, when she uh, when she fought Rose Namajunas, even in that final where she was the underdog, obviously, on most people's cards because of Rose's performances in the house, there's something, like you say, about just not just her, but her crew, people like Ian McCall around her. She's so bright, so professional. It's almost... Do you know... I, she reminded me of some of the Olympians that I meet, Olympic athletes in combat sports, where she's already worked out exactly what she's going to do, training camp, um, how to hold on to the belt, working out a group of opponents who are all lining up against her. Could she go on to be one of the great champions? Yes, for sure. That's. I mean, what I try and do is... Um, I, my dad was my first coach, and I've had a lot of really good coaches. I think the um, the key when it comes to athletes is not skill, it's not technique. What I look for is attitude and and the way that they carry themselves and their work ethic. And she's special. She Carla is something else. I, I really like Carla personally. I, I, like I said, I I, uh, I I'm very confident in her her ability to be successful. Do you um? Finally, I, I wanted to ask you, Duke, because I haven't spoken to you about this since uh, the UFC had their press conference on it. Performance-enhancing drugs, a terrible start to the year with the positive tests. Three Las Vegas headline fights uh, in a row where we had, whether it was cocaine or marijuana or performance-enhancing dr drug steroids. Um, your, what's your take on the stance that's been taken about random testing? Do you think it's a, st a, a step forward for the sport? Absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, uh, some of these things are going to hurt athletes, some are not going to hurt them, but, you know, I just think it's, it's the random tests are going to help us. I think there's been a culture for a while in our sport that everyone was almost taking a blind eye to it, and I think it's important for us to uh, handle this because um, in society and sports, I think it's important to have a clean sport that... Uh, people respect and and uh you know i'm not here to judge us as people make mistakes hopefully everyone learns from the mistakes they've made and, and let's not be bitter let's be better and and make the sport a better place um finally i must ask you i wish you all the best next weekend with the guys uh down there in dallas um but i must ask you as well i know that glory are heading to uh dubai at the end of this month are you going to be there uh, no, I actually resigned from Glory. Not, not. I just uh, I've gotten too busy with uh, the stable of athletes I have. It's just I love broadcasting, but it's not my first job, and so I resigned. I know they're putting on a great card, especially in Dubai, and uh, I'm excited. I'm a huge Nick Holtzkin fan. I think he is the best striker in the world at 170. Very versatile, and he's fun to watch. So it's going to be a great show. Can we expect you back at Glory at some point then, or are you just going to get too busy with the, with your mixed martial arts crew now and there's just not enough time for you? Honestly, I, I, I don't see myself coming back to Glory. I, I miss it because I, 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 I had a family there of, of, of athletes, fights I called, and the staff, our producers, and the owners. It was a fun chapter in my life, but the first chapter is my home life and, and um, you know my team life, so... Uh, I have a lot of people ascending. I, I got a guy fight March 29th on uh, the Bellator undercard, who's uh, one of our top prospects, Emmanuel Sanchez. Yeah. Um, you know, I got a lot of different guys coming up 
I'm just waiting to get Chico, Camus, and Eric Coke booked for their next UFC appearances. So it's going to be a busy first half of the year for us. Um, you know, but I wish Glory well. It's an awesome show. Well, let's talk about Bellator bringing an event here in uh, uh, late in the year. So maybe we'll see you over here at some point with that as well. Oh, no, they're doing a great job, too. I mean, I, I'm old friends with Scott Coker. I've known him since I was a child through the martial arts world. He's a class act, and I love everything he's doing over at Bellator. Duke, it's been an absolute pleasure to listen to you today, and I'm not going to make any excuses for for the listeners um, having to listen to your daughter as well, which has been great fun. What what she's been saying, I'm not sure, but I hope she's a, a martial arts fan. <laughs> no, I, just for you, I'll put out a picture of her sidekick. She is. She loves martial arts. She's uh, family that kicks together, sticks together. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's always brilliant to speak to you. Thank you very much indeed, and good luck with the boys on Saturday night in Dallas. Thanks, Duke. Well, that was Duke Rufus there um, telling us all about UFC 185 and his guys on Saturday night and giving us the lowdown on what he thinks is going to happen in the women's strawweight title fight as well. I'm sorry about the, the slight sounds of interference there. I make no apologies for Duke's daughter chatting away in the background, just like her father. She loves to talk fights by the sound of it or maybe she's talking about her dinner well listen that's all from me this week you've been listening to the world podcast with me gareth a davis i'll see you next week